Good morning. I'm Byron Fayette. It is 11 October 2021, and as I read the news that Cracker Barrels will start serving beer and dread the thought of drunken seniors roaming the country in tour buses, I note that on this day in history, well, we celebrate some holidays. It is the Christian feast of Bruno the Great, Interesting only because it's the only time anyone unfortunate enough to be named by his parents Bruno has been described as great. Also, conveniently, it is National Coming Out Day, a day when Brunos around the world can announce they are now Brunea and trot around in lace underwear and feather boas. And and before you boycott any radio station that features this segment, please reference previous editions so you'll know I'm the least homophobic guy you'll never meet. And that is meat, with two E's, not an E and an A. Those who are victims of No Child Left Behind can email me for the reason that that could possibly be humor. You know, meat and meat. This day, 1975, Bill Clinton and Hillary Rodham married in Fayetteville, Arkansas, a marriage still and forever to remain unconsecrated, even though Bill has consecrated many other women and is long and crooked with regards to the phallus, his victims said they endured crooked career as a sexual assaulter-in-chief. Again, those millennials who don't understand consecration are referred to the, to the dictionary, which, with a first syllable of dick, D-I-C, they most likely equate with the phallus, which they claim the molester-in-chief never used on his unwilling victims. On the way... There is one profession even janitors look down upon, and it is their national holiday, and rightfully so, newspaper carriers. Now, here in the Architects, we used to develop an appreciation for reading at a very early age, only it did not come from school. In the summer, when school was out, we endured a three-month doldrum of indentured slavery on the family farm. Oh, there there might be a three-day trip to Disney World in there somewhere. A three-day trip means one day driving, one day in the Magic Kingdom, one day driving home. But mostly, we were dropped off by our parents at the farm of the grandparents and worked like medieval serfs until such time that the resumption of classes gave us a parole from that farm labor. Now, kids down here are just kids. They grumble and complain about waking up before 7 to go to school, but they don't realize how good they have it and how late 7 is until the family farm slave labor begins. After the first day, kids learn 7 is late in the morning. It's midday. The day begins at about 4. No breakfast is served. That's the time when the grandparents read the morning paper, drink their coffee, talk about friends who showed up in the obituaries and speculate on on how long it will be before your parents divorce and they say it as if you weren't even there after that it's time for milking if you have dairy cattle and you're lucky if you do if you don't your grandfather takes you out to move rocks if it is your second year on the farm you realize that the rocks you are moving from point a to point b are the same rocks you moved last year from point b to a Ask why, and you're told, well, it builds character. Breakfast comes, briefly, then it's time to cut hay, split wood, drain swamp, stretch fence, and, and watch just how far your grandpa can spit tobacco. Lunch is light, and then it's time for 
cutting and bailing, and Gramps keeps looking down the road. He's looking for the guy who carries the afternoon newspaper. The guy that, to you, has become the angel of mercy, for when that paper hits the dusty gravel drive, you have a brief respite, kind of like an on-base liberty, if you ever did boot camp. Grandpa retrieves the paper, cuts a watermelon, and reads the box scores, and he doesn't have his mood soured since they don't put obituaries in the afternoon edition. Yes, he might grumble at beef prices. He, he might have said in those days, we need to nuke the commies before they nuke us. He might have read about the AIDS crisis and then said something about how the gays should be put on an island somewhere, but you didn't care. You, you learned that the newspaper meant no work for a little while, and you applied yourself to reading it yourself so you could avoid more field time. You started with the comics early in your indentured servant period. Comics, or funny pages as they were called back then, and in a short time you were reading the sports, news, opinion, even the business and farm, and many years later you, you realized that is where your real education began, learning about the world from the newspaper and learning about life from a grumpy old man who'd lived a lot more life than you had and who you eventually found out learned a hell of a lot more than you did. It is National Newspaper Carrier Day. The carriers wake up about the time most people are hitting their second dream, and they are gone before most of us have had our first cup of coffee. Some are kids who walk door to door and do build character in the process. Some are misfits who drive the night in high-mileage vehicles working a job that requires minimal interaction with the other people they can't get along with. Or at least they were. Kids, building character, and misfits. For on this day in history, the last hand-cranked phone went out of service in the U.S. in 1985. In a few years, probably a very few, the last paper, morning or afternoon, will hit a dusty gravel driveway with that, that particular thud that kids from the Arklatex, also from New York, California, and all places in between, knew the sound of so well. I'm Byron Fayette, reminding you to drink at home. It's, it's cheaper, it's safer, and if you hear that morning paper hit the driveway, you know it's definitely time for you to put the bottle down and hit the pillow.